Here we go. Verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The title of the message this morning is this. This one thing I do. This one thing I do. Let's pray. Lord, help us to take the truth this morning and put it into practice. And Lord, for our graduates watching in today, this sermon was written with them in mind. Oh, but Lord, how this message just applies to all of us. And so help us to find where it applies and put it into practice. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, there are times where, uh, as a preacher, you put a sermon together and before uh, you get a chance to preach it, God comes to you and He wants to check and see if you're ready to practice what you preach. Are you going to live what it is you're going to tell the church when you get up and you preach? And so the Lord wanted to put that to practice for me today. Have you ever had a morning where you woke up grouchy? You just woke up in a bad mood. How many of you, uh, how many of you know what I'm talking about this morning? Anybody? You know what I'm talking about? You woke up grouchy? How many woke up grouchy this morning? I woke up grouchy this morning. My hand's up, all right? I woke up in a bad mood. I was in a really bad mood, and I woke up, my back hurt, and, you know, uh, I met my, my best three friends when I woke up this morning, a snap, crackle, and pop. They greeted me when I rolled out of bed this morning, and I was uh, grouchy, and, you know, um, uh, usually when I wake up in a bad mood, I just avoid talking to everybody, because I don't want to snap And I don't want to say something rude or unkind that I'm going to have to apologize for later. And so I do my best to keep to myself. So straight into the restroom to shower and get ready. And and, uh, my children alternate going with me every Sunday to help me get the building ready. And we get here pretty early, especially with the two services. And so Matthew, it was Matthew's turn this week. Matthew out the door with me. So um, I leave the house and I'm just grumpy. In fact... Uh, when I rolled over this morning, I had a look on my face. I, I was expecting my wife maybe to look at me and say, Okay, Oscar, get it together. Oscar the Grouch, get it together. But out the door I went, and things just went from bad to worse. Each, each Sunday morning I stop at the Dunkin' Donuts and see more, and I get myself a cup of coffee. And uh, I needed one this morning, and so I especially needed one this morning. Uh, it was a busy week around here, a lot going on with the wedding. And I, uh, I stopped at the Dunkin' Donuts, and the lady in there who's there every Sunday morning, she messes up my order every single week. I mean, it's the one that's closest to my house is why I go there. I vowed this morning that I will never go there on a Sunday morning ever again. Um, but I went in there this morning, and sure enough, she messed my order up again, and we had to get it corrected and fixed. And I got in the car. I've got a scalding hot cup of coffee, and lo and behold, I picked it up to put it to my lips, and she did not put the lid on all the way. And I'm driving down the road at 40, 45 miles an hour, and coffee scalds my pants. I mean, all if I sm- if you if you got near me this morning, you thought he smells like coffee. That's because my pants have been soaked in coffee. Got it on my suit jacket, and, and I'm screaming. I'm in pain. It's scalding my legs. And, and I'm trying to put the coffee down, and I'm trying not to wreck the car. And Matthew's like, pull over, pull over. I, I can't. There's nowhere to pull over. Well, I get to church, and I'm thinking, oh, my, I'm going to be a mess all day. And I walk in the door, and uh, the, with the wedding and everything that happened, the uh, table here in the lobby, the legs did not get adjusted up properly. And so, you know, Matthew and I are going to try together to push the buttons on the legs and lift the table up. Well, there was a flower pot on the table. You already know where this is going, don't you? 
And so we attempt to lift the ta- table legs up, and the, co- the flower pot falls over, and water goes everywhere, all over the lobby floor. And I'm thinking, oh, I just want to kill somebody! My son saw me at my absolute worst this morning. And so we got all that cleaned up, and I got, got uh, things set here in the church where they needed to be, and I began to prepare my mind and heart to preach, and I looked down at the title of my sermon, This One Thing I Do. And the Spirit of God said to me, Okay, you're going to get up and preach it. Can you set aside what's happened and feed the flock of God? Can you not live in the past and let your spirit be riled up? Can you feed the flock of God? Can you be in the present and not let the past affect the now and now? Can you do that? And I said, okay, Lord, it's time to put into practice what it is I'm going to preach today. To those of you listening online, many, many more than just the four uh, who um, uh, we honor today, if you're graduating from something uh, uh, to, uh, this, this spring, uh, let me just say to you that we need to make sure that we don't just live in the past. We live for the future. Let me give you two main thoughts this morning, and uh, we're going to uh, try to get as practical as we can for everyday living. Point number one of the message this morning is the word forget. Forget. Paul said, this one thing I do, I press toward the mark. We cannot effectively press toward the mark if we're living in the past. Look at verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. That word apprehended means arrived. I count not myself to have arrived. Paul is saying, look, with this whole Christian life thing, I don't quite have it all figured out yet. And by the way, if Paul didn't have it figured out when he wrote the book of Philippians uh, from prison, serving the Lord as a preacher, if Paul didn't figure that out, then how many are willing to say, I don't quite have it all figured out yet either. I am still learning my way through the Christian life and my bumps and bruises and scrapes and I'm trying to get down this path in the Christian life and I'm making my share of mistakes. Paul said, look, I have not arrived. I've not apprehended. But then he goes on to say verse thing, verse 13, but this one thing I do. He said, I've not got it all figured out, but there's one thing in my Christian life that I do really well. What is it? Notice the beginning of the, or the next part of the verse. Forgetting those things which are behind. He said, I have learned how to forget what's in my past. Forget what's in my past. Letter A, notice this. Forget your past successes. Forget your past successes. To the graduates here today, congratulating uh, congratulations on finishing high school or college. Hey, that's a big deal. Those are big days. I remember when I graduated high school, I would have put that in one of the top five days of my entire life. When I graduated college, I would have put that in the top ten days of day of my life. Now that I've gotten 18 years and 13 years removed from those two dates, I would probably put those two dates in the top 25 days of my life. I've lived life and other things have come along and happened. And by the way, I'm not able just to look back over my shoulder and dwell on victories and successes and, and, and all the good times and all the wonderful things that have happened. Uh, It's okay to go back and revisit those things. It's okay to go back and remember those. But my friend, that isn't where we should live. I I know church members who who are usually 50 and above. And listen, this has happened in every church I've ever been a part of. 
50 and above, they, they like to look back at yesteryear. And they like to glory in yesteryear. They remember when Pastor such and such was here. And the buildings that were built. And the visitors that came. And the folks that got baptized. And the church was growing at a rapid rate. And, you know, we started this class. And we had this activity. And you remember back when this. And you remember back when that. And it, it's, it's gloating and remembering yesteryear. And by the way... There is a time and place for that, right? We have an anniversary Sunday generally every year. That got messed up with the COVID this year. But most years we bring Pastor Brown back and we've been working to get Pastor Pezlik back. And he is committed to be at our next anniversary service. Lord willing, he'll be here. And Listen, we honor our past and we give honor where it's due. And we remember, but some people, all they want to do is look back and say the past, the past, the past, the past. And I just have to tell you, what about now? What about tomorrow? What about what God has in store for us? What about uh, the good the good old days that are supposed to be in the future? What about we prepare and plan for what's coming down the road? Listen, it's okay to to glance in that mirror that sits in the in in, in your in your uh, windshield and look back occasionally as a reminder or to help you get perspective. But, but all in all, our attention ought to be out the windshield. What lies ahead? What's in the future? Hey, Paul said, I have some successes in my past, but I'm not going to live there. I'm going to live today and I'm going to press forward for tomorrow. Look with me at verse number four of Philippians chapter three. The Bible says, Paul is speaking here, though I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Paul says, okay, you want to go toe to toe with credentials? You want to go toe-to-toe with college degrees? You want to go toe-to-toe with status? You want to go toe-to-toe with accomplishments? Hey, you want to match up with me? I can match up with you and more. Look at verse number 5. He says, Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee. You know what he's saying here? He's saying, a Hebrew of Hebrews. He says, I wasn't just any Hebrew. I come from the line of Benjamin. He said, I was a Pharisee. And Paul wasn't just any Pharisee. Back when he was a Pharisee, he was the top of the class. Miss Sue, he would have graduated with a 4.0. 4.0. Do you know that history tells us that in order to be a Pharisee, you had to have the whole Pentateuch, first five books of the Bible memorized word for word? If you don't know how much that is, take a moment right now and put your finger at Genesis 1.1. And then flip over to the end of Deuteronomy and realize that's how much they had to know. Boy, Paul, Paul had it down. Paul was a big deal. And Paul wasn't just any any Pharisee. He was a rising star. Let's keep reading. Look at verse 6. He said, I didn't just have the knowledge. I had the zeal concerning zeal persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law Blameless, but he says here, what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss of the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that strong language, that I may win Christ and be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness. In my Bible, I have underlined in verse 8 the word loss. In verse 9, I have underlined the words not having mine own righteousness. Uh, uh, Look down there. Uh, But that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by 
faith. Look at verse 10. This won't be on the screen for those of you at home, but look at verse 10. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. Paul said, look, you can stack up your credentials and I can stack up my credentials and we can compare fleshly successes. We can compare all of the good that we've done and all of the uh, degrees we've, uh, uh, we've, we've stockpiled. He said, I take all of that and you can walk it out to the edge of town where they put the excretion, where they put the dung, and you can put it there, and that's what I consider my past successes. He said, I'm not going to look at it. I'm not going to focus on it. He said, have I accomplished some things? Yeah. Does it matter? No, not really. What matters is what I've done for Christ. And you know what? Even that right now doesn't matter. We'll let the Lord keep account, and we'll let Him award us in heaven. Notice this quote, failure has slain its thousands, success its tens of thousands. Failure has slain its thousands. Boy, people get drunk on success. They get overconfident in themselves. They begin become lifted up in pride. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says that if you're lifted up in pride, you will be abased. You will be abased. And boy, I've seen it happen to career man after career man, career woman after career woman. They're elevated in their pride. They become arrogant. And the next thing you know, God brings them low. Humble yourself. James 4.10 tells us in the sight of the Lord, and what? He shall lift you up. Boy, I, I sure don't want to stand here today and gloat about what I've done. Because can I tell you, it just doesn't matter. What good does it do, White Oak Baptist Church, if I stand up here and talk about people I trained to be soul winners when I lived in Maryland? You know, really nothing. What good does it do, this church? What good does it do you in your everyday living? For me to stand up here and talk about people that I led to the Lord and got saved, or saw saved, rather, the Lord saved them, and got them into church and, and, and saw them get baptized and saw them grow. Look, do I have some successes in my ministerial career in the past? I do have some successes, and there are memories I hold on dearly too. But it does me no good to dwell on that because I need to live in the now and now, and I need to focus on the path that God has in front of me tomorrow, and I need to give my all to Jesus today. Forget your past successes. Let her be noticed. Forget your past failures. You know, this is where a lot of people live. They live dwelling on their mistakes. And sometimes not even their mistakes, but mistakes other people have done to them. And they dwell on it and they seethe. And it ruins them. Look down at Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 with me again. Paul says here, he says, Brethren, I count not myself to have arrived, to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting. Forgetting. Turn over with me to Acts chapter 8. Paul didn't just have past successes to dwell on. Boy, Paul at times also blew it. Rather, chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. And look with me in verse number 57. Here we find the story of Philip. Or rather, I'm sorry, of Stephen. Stephen uh, was one of the churches, Church of Jerusalem's first deacons. Boy, he was a spirit-filled preacher who just 
Uh, he just tan hides. He preached hard. He saw people saved. He, and he, he called a spade a spade. Uh, he wasn't uh, shy with his preaching. He was very bold in his preaching. And boy, he offended a lot of people in the process. He offended a whole lot of people in the process. And the Pharisees had had enough of his preaching. The Sadducees were done with him. The council, the religious council wanted him eliminated. Look at verse 57. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him. This is Stephen with one accord. And cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their coats at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying... Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep or he died. Now, before Paul was converted, his name had been Saul. And so please understand the custom here. Saul was in charge of those Pharisees that were there that day. The religious folk there that day. And so when they grabbed Stephen in anger, a hot blood, and they dragged him out of the city, they had a pit they would stone people in. They threw him down in that pit. They prepared to stone Stephen. What they did is they took off their coats so they would have more throwing motion, and they laid them down at Saul's feet. That was a symbol saying Saul was endorsing their actions. Saul was approving their action. Did Saul actually pick up a stone and hit Stephen in the head and deal him a crucial blow? I don't know, but I know this. He signed off on his death. Boy, he signed that death certificate before Stephen was even dead. You know, um, in a sense, the Apostle Paul had been a murderer. And he could have so focused on that failure that it prevented him from moving forward for the Lord. But he didn't. He said, this one thing I do, I have forgotten those things behind me. Some of you here sitting in the room or listening online and you've got some pretty big blunders in your past. Maybe you've done jail time. Maybe you... um, you got some skeletons in your closet that no one even knows about or you think no one knows about. Maybe you've been through a nasty marriage and a divorce. Maybe you uh, didn't have last kind words to a parent before they passed. Maybe you've had an affair. Well, we could come up with a hundred different scenarios. You failed. You blew it. You messed up. You messed up royally. And you know why you're not moving forward for the Lord today? It's because you keep looking behind you at your past mistakes or looking behind you at the past mistakes of someone else. You say, but pastor, it just happened. I mean, it's in the past like yesterday or last week or last month. It's hard to look, not look behind you when it's immediately behind you. But you would be wise to take your eyes out of that rearview mirror and focus out the windshield. Christian, what happens when you're driving a car down the road and all you do is lock your focus on that rearview mirror? What happens? You're either going to run into the person in front of you or you're going to run your car in a ditch or you're going to run um, into the guardrail. You're going to make a mess. You're going to make a mess. 1 John 1.9 
If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, He's forgiven you. You've confessed it. He's he's forgiven you. The question isn't, has God forgiven you? The question is, have you forgiven you? You go back to God and you say, Lord, I I messed up. Lord, I, I, I did wrong. Lord, I've hurt myself. Lord, someone else has hurt me and it caused me to act in this way. And Lord, I'm sorry. And God looks at you and says, What sin are you talking about, young man? Hey, young lady, what are you talking about? He says, as Pastor Morales saying for us last week, I have cast it as far as the east is from the west. You get in a plane and start flying east, you never find the point where east meets west. God says, I've thrown it over my shoulder behind my back, and your sins will I remember no more. And, and listen, that's impossible for me to even comprehend, because God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at once. How can God throw something over His shoulder where it isn't? I don't know, but I know this. God is trying to say, I'm omnipresent and I've still been able to get rid of your sins. I don't know what you're talking about. Somebody here this morning needs to quit letting the corpse of yesteryear's mistake rot there today and there tomorrow. It's time you dig a hole out back and you bury that thing and you say, Lord, I'm like Paul. I've made some mistakes. I've blown it along the way. I've persecuted, uh, as Paul said, I persecuted the church. I committed uh, a slaughter against the church. I split up families. I persecuted people. But Lord, I'm not going to dwell on that. I'm going to leave that in the past and I'm going to focus forward. I don't know what is in your past. I don't know what mistake you've made. I don't know what a sinner you are, but I know what a Savior He is. I don't know where your feet have taken you, but His feet climbed up Calvary's hill. Aren't you thankful today that we have a God who can forgive? Hey, Paul said this one thing I do, and we're going to get to the one thing he did in a minute. But you can't do that one thing until you leave the past in the past. You gotta forget. You say, Pastor, I'll never actually be able to forget the events that happen. They're a part of my life. And I say, I get it. Factually, you'll always know what's in your past. But you know what you can forget is the emotion of what happened. You have to quit visiting the emotion. Number one, forget. Number two, notice the word focus. Focus. Focus, letter A. Focus on the path in front of you. Focus on the path in front of you. Look down with me at verse 13, if you will. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13. It says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, to have arrived, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind, read the next part of the verse with me if you would, and reaching forth under those things which are before. Paul said, I'm not focused back here. I'm focused on the path in front of me. I'm focused on what I need to reach out for. I'm focused on what God 
has in store for me today? How do we know what God has in store for us today? I wish that God had written a book and inside that book uh, was it was written just for me and I could open up to tomorrow's date when I got to tomorrow and open up and say, okay, God says today I want you to do this as though it was a daily briefing and you need to talk to this person and you need to go here and you need to do this and you need to do that and you need to treat this person extra kind because they're having a tough day. Wouldn't it be great if God just outlined every day for you? Wouldn't that be nice? But He doesn't. He doesn't. You say, well then, Pastor, how am I supposed to know where I'm supposed to go and who I'm supposed to talk to and what I'm supposed to do? Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know, the best thing you can do each morning when you wake up, some of you need to get a cup of coffee first. Just don't spill it on yourself. Amen? Some of you need to get a cup of coffee first to wake up. But you get that coffee and you get your Bible. And you find that quiet place. And you sit. And you open God's Word and say, Lord, what do you have for me today? I need your Word to shine down on my feet and show me the next step to take. I need that Bible to be a flashlight that shines down my path. Or to be nice not just to know the next step, but the next few steps. And you know what? You get to the end of the day, and you open up that Bible again the next day. Thy word is a lamp to my feet. I'm not going to focus on what's back there. Oh yeah, I've got some victories. I've seen God do some mighty things through my life. And I praise God for every soul that's been saved by my witness. I praise God for every person that's been baptized. I praise God for every family that's joined a church. I praise God every time I've been able to speak of a word of encouragement and help someone through a tough time. I praise God for every time I've counseled a broken marriage and seen it healed. I praise God for every time I've been able to come along someone that's lonely and encourage them. I praise God that He's used me. But you know what? That God's there, and God has a plan for me today, and God has a, a, a people He's going to put in my path today. And Lord, I don't want to miss what You have for me today. Would Your Word shine down on my feet? Would it shine a light out on my path? Joshua one eight says this, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. You know what that means? All the time. Meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way, thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have what? Good success. It's the only verse in the Bible where you find the words prosperous and good success together. How do you find prosperity? Oh, you didn't know you were going to hear prosperity preaching today, did you? How do you find prosperity? How do you find good success? It's found right here in God's Word. You get up every day and you have a walk with God. You say, Pastor, I'm reading my Bible, but I'm not getting anything out of it. Read it anyway. How many of you here have ever had a day where you've opened up your Bible and read it and you closed it and said, I didn't understand anything that I read today? You know what? We all have, haven't we? You know what you do? You get up and you keep reading and you keep reading and you keep reading. For those of you here that have, been, that have had a walk with God, even if it's been off and on, but if you've had a walk with God for more than ten years, how many of you understand this truth? That you understand a lot more now than you did the day you started reading it. How many of you are with me this morning on that? Keep your hands up a minute. Those of you that haven't been reading the Bible ten years, will you look around the room? Can I tell you that that's the answer? You've got to keep reading the Bible. You've got to keep letting the Word of God speak with you. Some of us are so focused on yesterday's failures or successes that we're not reading the Bible today. Can we just be honest? 
We're not as active in God's Word as we ought to be. And that's preventing us. You say, well, such and such did me so wrong. I'm so sore at them. You know what? Get up and read your Bible. Go to God in prayer over it. Bury those pasts and move forward. You say, but pastor, it just happened yesterday. I spilled coffee on my legs this morning. Amen? Get up and move forward. Focus on the path in front of you. Let her be. Let her be. Notice this. I don't remember my notes. Amen. Focus on the prize that awaits you. Focus on the prize that awaits you. I skipped a lengthy illustration under letter A, uh, but uh, I, I think the Lord would have it be this way. Letter B, focus on the prize that awaits you. Johnny Fulton was run over by a car at the age of three. He suffered crushed hips, broken ribs, a fractured skull, and compound fractures in his legs. He did not look as though he would live, but he would not give up. In fact, Johnny Fulton later ran the half mile in less than two minutes. Walt Davis was totally paralyzed by polio when he was nine years old, but he did not give up. He became the Olympic high jump champion in 1952. Shelley Mann was paralyzed by polio when she was five years old, but she would not give up. She eventually claimed eight different swimming records for the U.S. and won a gold medal at the 1956 Olympics in Melbourne, Australia. In 1938, I don't know how to pronounce this gentleman's name, but he was a member of Hungary's world champion pistol shooting team and sergeant in the army. He lost his right hand when a grenade he was holding exploded. This man did not give up. I love this. He learned to shoot left-handed and he won gold medals in the 1948 and 1952 Olympics. Some of you are familiar with the name Lou Gehrig. Lou Gehrig was such a clumsy ball player that the boys in his neighborhood would not let him play on their team. But Lou is committed. He did not give up. Eventually, his name was entered into baseball's Hall of Fame. Woodrow Wilson could not read until he was 10 years old, but he was a committed person. He became the 28th president of the United States. At the age of seven, this man had to go to work to help support his family. At nine, his mother died. At 22, he lost his job as a store clerk. At 23, he went into debt uh, um, uh, and became a partner in a small store. At 26, his partner died, leaving him in deeper debt. At the age of 35, he had uh, been defeated twice when running for a seat in Congress. At the age of 37, he won uh, an election for Congress. At 39, he lost his re-election bid. At 41, uh, his four-year-old son died. At 42, he was rejected for a uh, land officer role. At 45, he ran for the Senate and lost. At 47, he was defeated for the nomination of vice president. At 49, he ran for Senate again and lost again. At the age of 51, he was elected president of the United States. But during his second term of office, he was assassinated. But his name lives on among the greats in U.S. history. His name, Abraham Lincoln. You know why? These people, men and women, focused on the prize ahead of them, and no matter what crushing blows life threw them, they refused to give up. They refused to give up. Now, Christian, what prize awaits us? Look at verse 14 of Philippians 3. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Hey, you know what, Christian? If you are going to be an Olympic champion, 
You have to live a totally different lifestyle. You listening? There's things you can't eat. There's friends you can't have. There's disciplines you have to implement in your life that the average person doesn't. There's a rigid sleep schedule you have to follow. Boy, you don't get the things that everybody else gets to have. You don't get to enjoy things other people get to enjoy while you're training to be an Olympic gold medalist. Christian, we're not trying to win some medallion that hangs around our neck. We're trying to stand up in front of our God one day and have Him look down at you and say, Young man, young woman, good job. Look, I want the WD degree. You say, what's the WD degree? It's not something you get out of college. It's not something you get when you finish high school. The WD degree is the well-done degree. I want God to look down at me and say, He wasn't perfect. He made his share of mistakes, but he stayed faithful. Well done, Richard. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You know, um, all of you here, at some point or another, have felt discouraged from going forward for the Lord. What are you going to do? You're going to be like that nine-year-old who got polio and just sulked the rest of your life? That nine-year-old didn't. That nine-year-old said, no, I'm going to get up and go win a gold medal. You're going to be like Abraham Lincoln. Look, Abraham Lincoln, if you read his life story, he was in the pit of despair. To the place where his family felt they couldn't even leave anything sharp around him because they were afraid he was going to take his life. But Abraham Lincoln encouraged himself in the Lord. He picked himself up. And what did he do? He went and made something of himself. And my friend, God has a plan for you. Are you going to sit on the sidelines and sulk? Or are you going to get up? And are you going to focus on what the Lord has and go get the prize that awaits you. You see, Paul said this one thing I do. I have forgotten what's behind, and I am laser focused on what lies ahead. Focus on the prize that awaits you. Let her see. Notice, focus on the person that saved you. Look back at verse 14 with me. Paul said, I press toward the mark, toward the prize of the high calling in who? In who? Speak to me. In Christ Jesus. Turn over to Philippians chapter 2 with me. One chapter before, Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11, are the, is the center, is the focal point of the chapter, the hinge point of the, cha- of the whole book, rather. Look at verse 5. These are verses we're familiar with, most of us. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Look at verse 7. But made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of his servant, and was made in the likeness of man. Begin reading with me, verse 8. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Read it like you mean it, verse 9. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, To the glory of God the Father. There are days and even seasons in my life that I'm discouraged. There are times in my life where I just don't feel like I'm making a difference. I wonder if getting up every morning and going to work and doing what I'm doing is really, really making that much of a difference in people's life. 
There are times in my life where I uh, I wouldn't go as far as saying depressed, but maybe a little bit of depression sets in. How many know what I'm talking about this morning? You there with me? Here's what ends up happening. I'm standing there on life's path, and I'm doing one of two things. I'm either doing this right here and looking back on things that I should not be looking at, or I'm doing this right here. I'm staring down at my shoes, and I'm focused on me. And you know what I have found? When I focus on me, I get pretty depressed. I get pretty discouraged. My needs, my wants, my desires, the way people treat me, the way people act toward me. What about what I want? Does anybody even think about me? Me, 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 me. And you know what? I get pretty discouraged in those situations. You know what the answer is, folks? I've got to quit doing this right here, and I've got to look up there. And you know what I see when I look up? I see the finish line, and I see my Savior with his arms like this. I see my Savior who came to earth, who ran his race, who lived a perfect life, who suffered, who said, Father, let this cup pass for me, but not my will, but thine be done. And when things got tough, Jesus didn't quit. He went to the cross He suffered and He died and He rose from the dead and He stands in heaven as my Savior and He looks out at me and He says, Young man, you're discouraged. Young man, you're lonely. Young man, you're struggling. Look at me. Put your eyes on me and run and run and run. And when I do that right there, boy, all of a sudden I forget about my past. The present struggles wash away. And I say, Lord, if you could finish your race, then I could finish mine for you. Paul said, this one thing I do. This one thing I do. I'm not focusing on what's back there. I'm laser focused, God, on what you have for me today. And I'm going to walk with you. And I'm going to live for you. And I'm going to love you. If you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior, can I tell you that's where it begins? He died for you, but until you accept Him, it doesn't matter. You need to put your full faith in Jesus to be your Redeemer, to take away your sins. Right now, if you've not put your faith and trust in Christ, listen, I'm not trying to be mean, I'm just being honest. Your your feet are on a path condemned to hell. But Jesus loved you so much, He sent His only begotten Son to die for you, and that if you'll believe in Him, you'll not perish, you'll have everlasting life. I'm paraphrasing John 3.16 there. He'll take you, He'll put your feet on a path of life, and you can have that salvation. To the rest of you here that are saved, how about it? Are we focused on the Lord? Are we focused on what He has for us? Or are we kind of wallowing in self-pity about what we're not getting out of life? Let's let's forget the past. Let's focus on the Lord. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning.